0: Hello, baseball and umpire fans, and welcome to another episode of The Leading Edge, where we talk with umpires about umpiring and look to cover topics on both sides of the plate. We're going to mix things up around here at The Leading Edge. We got two guests today, Sean Weatherill and Brad Johnston, my 2019 Baseball Canada Cup crew where we're going to talk about what it's like to be a crew at a national championship and share some laughs from along the way. So, sit back, relax, get ready, because it's coming. Hello, baseball and umpire fans, and welcome back to another episode of The Leading Edge, where we talk with umpires about umpiring and look to cover topics on both sides of the plate. We're just steamrolling along into episode four. Fantastic. We've had some great times so far, and we're looking to have some more. It's been an exciting week around here at Leading Edge Umpire Headquarters. We launched a Facebook page. I know, so 2007. But you know what it's like out there in social media world. You get on the Facebook, and you never know what kind of rabbit hole you're going to grow down. So if you're interested, you can search for us at Leading Edge Umpire Stories on Facebook. Now, before we get further, let's do a recap of what happened on the last episode. On that episode, we had Baseball Saskatchewan native, MILB alumni, and current WBSC umpire Aaron Roberts. Here's a clip of exactly what kind of fun we did have there.
1: There is a mountain, a mountain of ketchup in the corner. And I dunk it. I don't know. Maybe I might have been a little tight, I guess, probably.
0: I guess I just got out of university. No, I didn't get out of university. Did you go to the University <laughs> of Phoenix yeah. online?
1: David uh, Buckingham basically, well, is a walking uh, baseball Canada legend.
0: French is not my first accent. <laughs> so, as you can probably tell, we had a great time. So, if you're looking to listen to that, you can find us on Podbean, iTunes, Apple Podcasts tune in and most recently Google Podcasts we got the approval and we're ready to go. Now I'm not going to hold you up any longer. We're going to get right into the episode, but first we need to give these guys a quick introduction. Right out of the British Columbia Baseball Umpire Association or the BCBUA, the proud owner of a Vespa and level 4 Baseball Canada umpire, Sean Weatherall And coming out of Alberta, a guy who once spent his entire paycheck on a Beanie Baby, Level 4 umpire, Brad Johnston. Guys, welcome to The Leading Edge. Hey, Phil. Thanks for having me, man.
1: Oh, hey, Phil. Thanks for having me as well.
0: Well, guys, before we begin, I just want to thank you for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it. The purpose of this episode is to talk about what it's like to umpire as a crew at a Baseball Canada Cup National Championship. Brad, Sean, and myself were all members of the same crew at the 2019 Baseball Canada Cup Championship in Regina, Saskatchewan. For everyone listening... The Baseball Canada Cup is a premier tournament on the Baseball Canada schedule. The tournament features some of the top 17 U minor and minor umpires from right across the country to show off some of their skills and abilities. Now, before we begin, I think it's only right that we let our guest introduce himself. Brad, would you be able to share with us some of your baseball resume, your playing career, and maybe some of the things that got you to the Baseball Canada Cup?
2: Absolutely. Grew up in Oakville, Ontario originally. Uh, moved to Alberta in 2009. Uh, now I call Airdrie, Alberta home, just north of Calgary. Plan-wise, I, uh, I came up through the Little League system and played Little League ball until ban of age, around 15 or so. Then jumped into into the Baseball Canada system as a player, played all the way up through senior men's. It's kind of neat now being in the national program, seeing some of those umpires that uh, umpired me as a as a junior and senior ball player. In the Burlington system, which was kind of cool. So, anyways, moved uh, moved to Alberta in 2009. Decided it was time to quit playing and focus on the umpiring. Uh, I started umpiring in the little league system, when I was about 13 or so, and uh, and then jumped into the baseball Canada program around 15 or 16 was a level three when I came to Alberta. Yeah, that's when I decided to hang up the cleats and, and really just focus on the umpiring. Got uh, got involved with the guys in the Calgary area. A lot of great leadership here, which uh, I was able to get involved in baseball Alberta and in 2011 with my
0: first national in 2012 and worked my way up through the system. You talked about being a player in Burlington, Ontario. Everyone we've had on so far has played the game. Were you any good at it? Because no one else has been. <laughs> well, that wasn't bad. Uh,
2: I, like I played, you know, in a, in a travel ball system, but uh, I wasn't the top guy in the field, that's for sure. And if you've got any uh, national program umpires from Ontario listening that, that remember me as a player? They'd be shaking their head right now saying they were telling me to just pick up and or take up umpiring seriously rather than trying to keep playing first base. So
0: I don't know if most would recognize you these days. You got a lot less hair than the last time you were in Ontario. So <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Sean, let's fill us in. What's your baseball resume like?
1: Uh, well, so I'm from uh, Richmond, British Columbia, and uh, I've lived here my entire life. And I think that was just so that I could be close enough to the airport so I could leave. I played baseball until the 10th grade, and I can tell you from the testimonies at pro school that I didn't get much better after that. I've been uh, been umpiring since I was 10 years old, so this will be my 17th season if I get any games in with COVID. I was fortunate enough to comp- three uh, Baseball Canada National Championships, Senior Women's, uh, Bantam and Canada Cup with supervisors like Rob Allen, Steve Butang and Jim McMillan. One of my greatest umpiring accomplishments is I graduated from the Wendell Wendelstadt Umpire School in 2016 in Daytona Beach and have been able to come back and work uh, collegiate baseball such as uh, the West Coast League including the league championship final last year.
0: Well, congratulations on that achievement, Sean. Now, you mentioned the WCBL, and it's been mentioned multiple times in this show over the past couple episodes, but the West Coast League, can you fill us in basically what it is and what the difference might be?
1: Um, So the West Coast League is uh, very similar to the Western Canadian Baseball League. However, uh, British Columbia has two teams, Kelowna and Victoria, and those are the only teams that we are able to officiate in BC because the rest are spanning all the way down to the bottom of Oregon so uh, we have series both in both those locations and uh, next year when the season opens the NIMO will have a team so we'll have our own sort of Canadian division to work out of.
0: Well that's fantastic to hear Sean a lot of opportunities coming for Canadian umpires. Now Brad back to you would you mind filling us in on some of your Baseball Canada National Championship resume? Uh, so I've done four. Starting in uh, in
2: 2012, I worked the U13 championship in Saskatoon. That was sort of the, the, the beginning into it. Followed that up the next year in 2013,
0: where I worked the U15 championship in Vaughan. Brad, I'm going to cut you off right there. Who was your supervisors and crew at those championships? Fair enough. Uh, uh, 2012, Jeff Donnelly and Josh Clark were the two
2: supervisors. Both Alberta guys, and uh, both turned into pretty good mentors for me here. Uh, supervisors at U15 in... Uh, and Vaughn was led by Trevor Grieve, which is, was, was, I mean, I think his resume speaks for himself. That was a, a great, uh, just a great person to have supervise you in. and Especially at a tournament like the U15, because certainly a development tournament, to have a guy like that watching you is was fantastic. But uh, he had assistants like Scott Mills, Matt Tyler, uh, Pat Trombley. We're all great guys too.
0: Now, not to take anything away from Scott Mills out of Saskatchewan or Patrick Trombley out of Quebec, but it must have been quite exciting to have a guy like, Trevor Greve as your head supervisor, a guy who has minor league, WBSC, and World Baseball Classic experience. Wow,
2: that was pretty cool, and that
0: was 2013
2: too. So that was the first year he'd done the World Baseball Classic. So he was, you know, two, three months off of that experience, which was, uh, which was pretty awesome. Flying high. Um, anyway, then, uh, then two more after that. I uh, Worked U15 in Sherbrooke, Quebec, in, uh, in. Or sorry, U18 in Sherbrooke, back in 2015. That supervisor crew was uh, led by Lisa Turbitt out of Ontario. Again, some great international experience there. Her crew of supervisors was Mark Jones out of Newfoundland, Jamie Killingsworth from Ontario, um, and Jean-Francois Arsenault out of Quebec. So another good crew there. And then my last and most recent uh, national was, was with you boys there in, uh, last year in Regina, and a uh, great time at Cup.
0: That was a great time. I really enjoyed myself. Sean, what do you think of the tournament?
1: Oh, it was fantastic. I can totally agree. Once I, uh, went, I went to the U15 tournament, it was, it was really scary in the sense it was, a, you know, it was that first travel tournament. It was the first time I didn't have a supervisor I was familiar with. Then when I went to Canada Cup, that's the premier minor tournament. That makes or breaks whether you get that senior uh, recommendation in your pathway to a level five. So um, obviously that the nerves were there you know from the minute you get off the plane or even before you get on right my crew though was fantastic and from the from the first from the first time that you know we met all of a sudden that ice was broken right away from before dinner so before it was dinner. it was good <laughs> yeah before dinner
0: one of the nicest things about the Canada Cup compared to the rest of the baseball Canada championships is the baseball Canada Cup <clears throat> runs for 5 days compared to the traditional 4 so you get a wednesday day in there and you actually get another day to really gel and jive as a crew so you're coming in on tuesday and probably staying till monday and potentially tuesday the next week so lots of opportunities to jive as a crew now before we get too far i think it's only fair since we were a crew at that championship to really name off some of the umpires that were there and give them credit because one of the best things about going to a championship is actually meeting the other umpires and enjoying that experience We'll just name them off quickly. Daryl Beckett out of Manitoba, Jeff Chipley out of Alberta, Stephen Clark out of Nova Scotia, Joel Goom out of Ontario, Elmer Yerkovitz, I can never get his name right, even though he's from Saskatchewan, Rad Johnston, of course, from Alberta, Blaze, John, help me out here. Or er, Blaze?
1: Blaze Levay.
0: Blaze Levay out of British Columbia, myself, Philip McGee, Mike Richards out of Prince Edward Island, Bob Sonder from Saskatchewan, Sebastian Saint Armand from Quebec, and Sean Wetherill from British Columbia. Fortunately to have supervisors at that championship, already mentioned once, though, Scott Mills out of Saskatchewan, umpire in chief right out of Manitoba, Ashton Liskey, Steve Butang from British Columbia, and the lead supervisor, Rob Allen. Now, to be fair to Rob, I think he was moving in the middle of the championship, started out in British Columbia, and by the end of it, he was an Albertan. Okay, guys, we've talked about how make or break this tournament is, and like every umpire that comes to any national championship, there's lots of prep work that goes into it. Brad, we'll start with you. What kind of prep work did you do for the 17U championship?
2: You guys have already mentioned the WCBL. I'm fortunate to to be able to work that in Alberta, but based on where I live, I can have the ability to, to travel fairly easily to through the Southern part of Alberta. Uh, so teams in medicine hat, Lethbridge Brooks and Okotoks. I do as much as I can um, in that league, just because it's, it's baseball that you've, you've got to be on your toes and you've got to be mentally committed and involved for that nine inning and maybe more, but there's, there's so much going going on on those fields, uh, especially in a park like Okotoks where, you know, you've got potentially three, 4,000 fans a night and, and the pressure's on. And I mean, the, the great news is for, for most of us, you know, we, we get told February, March or so at our national clinic that we're going to one of these. So you can sort of get your mind trained. Um, also taking a specific length of time off prior to going, to going to Regina was a big deal for me. I'd worked a number of games sort of throughout that summer and specifically took off 10 days prior to going to Regina just to kind of break the baseball cycle and, and sort of start fresh. And I think that was really important. And uh, I think the other thing too, is uh, in a national year, I'll uh, I'll make a point of, of working with guys that I know where they're going to go. Not, not to take anything away from the training and mentorship side of it, that's really important. But when it comes up, as far as national championship prep goes, and I'm, I know from a preparation standpoint, I got to make sure that I work with guys that... Uh, Guys and girls, sorry, that uh, when the ball's hit, we're all going to work the same way so that we know, uh, we know what we're doing and, and that it makes that, that couple hours on the ball diamond that night
0: valuable. I couldn't agree with you more, Brad. I know that one of the bonuses or pluses of work in the Western Canadian Baseball League and something I applaud the league for is that they mandate the three-umpire system. That helps yeah, it's us. huge. There's so many umpires that go to a national championship – they might only work two official or two umpire system their whole season. And then they get thrown into the three umpire system and they're lost. So working three umpire system in the WCBL has helped me, I know, as an umpire. And the w- other perk is that the Western League here runs a nine-inning game. But working that inning seven to nine really trains you mentally and makes you focus just that much longer so that when you get there, you're just that much more ready. Sean, in the West Coast League, how many innings do you guys play?
1: Uh, also nine.
0: Nine innings. And Umpire Systems, what are you guys running there?
1: Three or four.
0: So you're getting that prep work. Sean, anything that you want to add differently that maybe Brad didn't touch on some of the prep work that you've done?
1: Well, it was actually a very interesting year for me in 2019. You know, if you ever heard about being acclimatized to a city, my best friend... Uh, was attending Depot Division for the RCMP. So two times previous to the tournament, I was able to actually come to Regina, and that's where I worked my wickball games out of that year. Um, was out of Regina and, and out of Wayburn. So like I had been in the city and knew, you know, other than driving down wrong way streets, was actually pretty good with it. Um, and I was really fortunate because I got a pretty big pep talk from. Ron Shuchuk, um, you know, two weekends before the tournament, just about what to expect. And so that was something good, As I was able to reach out to a couple of mentors and be like, okay, I'm ready for this. And they're like, we know you are, you wouldn't be going. It was, it was really good.
0: For anyone that follows the Western Canadian Baseball League, they'll recognize the name Ron Suchuk. Ron is a staple on the tour. He works probably 50 to 60 games a season as a full-time official. Gentleman has independent professional baseball experience as well as Olympic experience he has been around and he is a valuable asset here in southern part of Saskatchewan and southern part of Alberta when on the WCBL tour I know that my prep work definitely meant working multiple weeks in the WCBL I took some full-time time off but this is what Ron does for the league I never had the opportunity to work with Ron last year specifically, but after every game in the WCBL, you can be sure to get a text message or a call from Ron saying, how'd your game go? The guy is vested, and I want to send out a thank you for the work that he put into me last year and the work that he provides other umpires in regards to mentorship right across the country. We've put our prep work in. How'd you guys get to the championship? I I jumped in the car. I took the seven-hour road trip over. That's always a treat. uh, Yeah.
2: I stopped for lunch in Swift Current. I mean, what, what does
0: it get any better? You know, can, can it get any better, right? <laughs> and Sean, you talked about living by airport. How'd you get there?
1: I flew and it was really awkward because the uh, supervisor and guy Blaze was on our flight and I flew in business class and hopped out of the lounge about uh, five minutes before departure time as they're packed in the back in the middle seats by the washroom. So, you know, always good to alienate the guys from your own province.
0: For the record, Sean is that guy on the airplane that every five minutes is going Can I get another drink? (laughs) I need some peanuts. Can I get an extra pillow? The guy behind me is making too much noise.
1: Hey, you don't earn Super Diamond Elephant Elite for nothing.
0: Okay, we get there. I've taken a four-hour trip down. Want to send a shout out to Jeff Chipley. I met him at the Davidson A&W and we slammed teen burgers together and got ready for the weekend. So we were prepped. Before every tournament, there's always a pre-tournament meeting. Makes sense. Pre-tournament meeting before the tournament. Brad was our crew chief at the tournament. And I'm going to pass it to him to give us an explanation of exactly what might happen at a pre-championship meeting. Uh, yeah.
2: So the, the pre-tournament meeting is, uh, is always always interesting. Uh, that whole day is always interesting. You've maybe had a chance to meet up with your crew for a little while. We certainly did. We had uh, a sit down in, in your guys' hotel room and went over a few things uh, rather loosely, if I remember correctly. But but it was it was our style, which was really good. Uh, I think worked out real well for us as as the tournament went. And then yeah, and for us in this tournament, we had uh, we had the dinner and then still a little bit of time in between the dinner and uh, and go into the meetings. So by the time we got to the meeting, uh, you still you don't really know too many of the guys. You're just meeting everybody for the first time. If you're lucky, you know a handful of people, maybe the supervisors, that sort of thing. But uh, but nobody knows everyone in the room. And uh, sit down. And, and really the purpose is to for the supervisors to, to let you know what their expectations are, to give you the logistics for the few days that you'll be in town, and any sort of additional uh, pieces of information that they need to give out. Uh, probably the big piece of info that came out of our pre-tournament meeting was uh, we were we were given vehicles, uh, so each crew got, a, got their own minivan, which, uh, which was exclusively theirs for the tournament,
0: which was fantastic. That was fantastic. Yeah. All i got to say, I've been to multiple championships, and you're always stuck relying on transportation. Some local guy, right? Right, and I appreciate it, the yeah. work that these volunteers do. But just having the opportunity to go from field to field on your own dime and on your own time— So, uh, yeah, so we're, we're giving the keys and Rob Allen's handing the keys out. I don't know if you want me to tell
2: the story now, but yes, this is, Um, this
0: is what made her break us. I think this was our defining moment for the weekend, for sure.
2: Absolutely. And and we're, we're real happy. It came for, it. well, it was one of a bunch, but I think, I think it was a key one for sure. Yes. So Rob Allen's handing out the keys to these vans. He he handed me the keys as the crew chief and okay, cool. Yeah. It's the, it's in the parking lot. Like, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll hit the unlock button or something and you'll find it. I forget who the person was that was having a hard time, but Rob just, he kept saying, just, you'll find your, you'll find your vehicle. Just walk out, push the red button, just push the red button. And to everybody that couldn't figure out which keys went to which vehicle, he just be like, push the red button.
0: Cause so, what happens uh, when you push the red button?
2: Uh, you're, yeah. You got, you got the old car horn in the light show, right? So yeah. So this kind of became our, uh, our cruise calling card. Whenever something would go, would go right or horribly wrong it was always just push the red button it sort of was a yeah we got this we'll be okay we'll fight through it or even hey that was cool or whatever There lots of lots of conversations out you know sort of right. early uh, or sort of short right or left field between games where you know, it was almost like okay let's go and we'd break up that conversation with you know push the red button and right. off we went anyway it's uh to this day it's uh it's still one of my my favorite things from that tournament and, and will be for a very well forever as long as i'm in the program it's uh going to be something that kind of holds us together so that's
0: awesome that was really key for us i know looking back on it we still say it push the red button i was sitting beside sean and i looked at him instantly and i went push the red button and i remember looking at you brad going push the red button and we all kind of looked at each other and went that's it that's what the weekend's going to be about push the red button and i think what was really exciting about that whole weekend is that eventually other umpires and the supervisors caught on to us using this push the red button motto and you could tell that they wanted to be part of this threesome
2: Yeah, it's true. Well even you mentioned Jeff Chipley earlier and I got to Lloyd Minster for the super clinic this year and uh he, as soon as I walked in he's like, Hey man, push the red button and I was like, Yeah, that's that's fantastic.
0: I I just I loved it. It was so good. Sean, what you know. Sean, what did you think of that?
1: Oh, I, I loved it. You know, there's every every opportunity we got to say it. Every time we could find a red button. I remember sitting in the, in the pool and our hotel, just like the vans were fantastic, but they had these big red emergency stop buttons and we're sitting there being like, well, should we push the red button? Yeah. Right. Like, Hey, let's stop this. Let's, let's stop the water slides. Well, some guys going down it, Hey, let's press the red button. Oh, yeah. Right. And now, of course we never did it, but still no. that was the thing. Anytime we saw some sort of red button, it was just this desire, this draw from the whole crew to go and push it.
0: Now let's move on from the red button and get into the tournament quickly. We'll go through a, kind of a recap for one all of our games because each game offered something unique. First game, we got game one, Sean's on the plate, Brad's at first, and I'm at third. We only had one game that day, and I think we struggled, not necessarily in the game, but mentally going, everyone else gets two, we just want an umpire. That's just, when you get to a national championship, you just wanna umpire. We got through it, I mean, we had a good game, but when we talk about pushing the red button and using it as a moment to refocus, Sean, We started off the weekend. Maybe you want to share with us what happened.
1: So I'm on the plate and, you know, clearly just a little bit nervous. It's the the top of the first inning and the first, you know, hit and run. Guys coming around to score. Perfect third base extended, wrapping around. Huge punch out. And the baseball is at the cutout.
0: I remember looking at Brad across the diamond and go, oh, my God, we're umpiring with this guy.
1: And I was sitting there like, just completely deflated. I'm like, this is gonna be my tournament. And so of course, time, called time, right? And you know, okay, yeah, he's safe. And the coaches didn't really give me too much issue. I just remember, okay, now I have to I have to umpire the rest of the game. This is literally the top of the first inning. I'm like, I can't throw away my tournament right here. And, of course, you know how they say your partner shouldn't go in conference after a major controversial call? Well, I look out into the field, and there's Phil, and there's Brad, and they're out there, and they're looking back at me. And You could tell they were talking about it, and then all of a sudden they both at the same time came up with, push the red button, and I'm like, boom, yep, push the red button. And then the rest of the game went off without a hitch. You know, obviously it was there, but we were able to get back on. I wasn't missing pitches. Like it wasn't, you know, it was like it never happened. Man, didn't hear about it again. And so, you know, I guess we got that one sort of hiccup out of the way right at the beginning, which was great.
2: It was a great bounce
0: back. It was, and we clicked as a crew right there and we stood up for each other. And when you make those calls, you know you, you know you botched them, right? So it's not like you're trying to cover up anything. You're like, yep, ball's on the ground, safe. And he's not going to appreciate me saying this, but Aaron Roberts, our last guest, went to the World Baseball Classic, oh, sorry, the Premier 12 tournament last year in Japan, and guess what? Had the exact same play. Ball's on the ground, he's punched the guy out, and all of a sudden, oh, yeah, yeah, he's safe, no big deal. Life goes on, right? We ended up bouncing back, having a great tournament. That night was special, though. Why was that night special, Sean?
1: Was that the investment club?
0: That's yeah. where Sean <laughs> like decides he's going to go to the investment yeah. club in downtown and, Regina. It's a pizza with Shuchak.
1: Yeah. So one of our crew slogans was uh, naming Casino Regina the uh, the investment club. I can say that someone's investments paid off and others resulted in uh, twisted teas brought from home. It was fun, though. It was, again, another crew bonding experience where, you know, we talked about going to, to the casino obviously we had bedtimes and curfews and weren't out being crazy but uh but yeah it was it was super fun definitely learned a lot about our crewmates that night and their limited blackjack experience so that was fun
2: i think the one's
1: tough man (laughs) it was it was it was it hurt it did
0: i don't know why they call it a casino it should have been just sean just give your money to philip he'll look after it
1: yeah well i think we tried that later in the weekend and i
0: (laughs) And I got to send out a shout out to Joel Goom. He said it was his first time ever in the casino. So he's like, how does a casino work? He comes to the table. He's like, I don't know how to play. I'm like, give me your money. I'll look after it. Throw the hand down. Sean's over there losing. Goom hits a 21 or something. And all of a sudden I hand him his money back. And he goes, it happens just like this. I'm like, well, not, not every time. Because if you look at Sean, it's not happening every time. But for you, he's like, I'm taking my money and I'm going home. So Joel, hope you enjoyed your uh, $32 spread.
1: Yeah, you're beginner's luck there, sir. Take it and run.
0: Okay, let's move on, Neil. Game 2, day 2. Brad's on the plate. I'm at first. Sean you're at third. I think that that game was Quebec over BC, what 11 nothing. I know it was a, a hot humid day. The only thing exciting I remember out of that game specifically, I think it was a walk-off, don't want to say mercy rule, but 10 run, it was 11 nothing with a walk-off three-run shot. So It was a good game. Scraped scraped over the right field wall. So we had a good game. We got through it. But that was a hot day. That's all I can remember because I was on the plate in the second game. And that was a tight game with Nova Scotia over New Brunswick, 7-6, with Nova Scotia eventually going on to win the championship for the record. We had a really interesting situation in that game. Specifically, I believe it's in the third inning. Nova Scotia coach runs out to calm his pitcher down after a couple pitches. I remember him running out real quick and going, "Ooh, this is interesting. Jot it down in my pad, like I always do at every championship or every game. And then two batters later, the coach runs out, checks with his pitcher, runs off again. And I'm like, Holder, you got to change him now. That's second trip, same inning. And all of a sudden the coach comes out. He goes, no, no, that's my first trip. And I'm like, "Mm, no, I look at Brad, Brad shaking his head going, I think so. And lo and behold, thankful as a crew, Sean's coming in going, that's his second trip. I'm 100% confident. That's his second trip. Sean, what were you thinking of that moment? Because I know you came in and really reinforced that, yes, this is your second trip. Because there's nothing I wanted to screw up more than missing a second trip, same inning.
1: I was just sitting there going, you know, this, uh, you know, how is this, how is this going to play out? Right, like I knew, um, you know, I was counting and it was my side, right? So I was going, okay, like I'm looking for the signal to go to the pen. So I'm looking down there and I'm like, oh, so you kind of try and keep this guy in the game? And I'm like, you know, trying to make subtle signals like two. It's two, like he's got to go. And then that's when I came down. And I'm like, well, hopefully he just gets it, right? And I think that's, you know, how it turned out to go.
0: They had nobody warming up. That was the interesting thing. Like this coach made, I'm going to call it an amateur coaching mistake. It was, he, he honestly thought it was his first trip. So be it. That's baseball. I'm not here. To, I'm not here to argue the rules. I'm just here to enforce them.
1: But I think that was, uh, that was our first accomplish for the tournament based on handling situations, which was heightened, right?
0: Because we missed that. That's a big mistake. That's a black and white rule. That's not a judgment call. That's not missing a tag. That's black and white. And we, we, we learned that at our level one clinic, right? And I remember that game being into the sixth or seventh inning. It's tied at this time. New Brunswick was up for a while. And Nova Scotia crawls back, climbs back in. And the New Brunswick pitcher starts and stops. Box in, I think, the go-ahead run to make it 7-6 in the top half. And I go, oh... I don't want to call this again. That's why we're there. And I think you guys helped me out there too. Not in the sense that i I missed it up, but you're right there on the Bach call.
2: Oh, it was a good call. He was flirting with it for most of that inning. You know, sooner or later, something had to give you got right on top of it. And it was an easy, it was an easy echo. So
0: absolutely. We, like you said, Sean, we finished that game. We get our rating. We head back to the hotel that night. I think that was a, a relaxing night compared to the night before. Some of us were broke. Some of us were enjoying the other person's money. You know how that goes. Okay, Friday morning. We're up. We're ready to go. I think we have a real early game, maybe the 8 o'clock game. And again, remember, we were given our own vans. Sean goes, I want to go to McDonald's. Well, I know that I'm not really into McDonald's at 6 in the morning. Brad wasn't either. But yeah, Sean's like, I'm just going to run in. It'll be quicker. Sean, why did it take so long at McDonald's?
1: Okay, so let's clarify. First off, I really, really needed a coffee. Second off, we were deeply questioning the scrambled eggs at the hotel. So, you know, I decided, hey, I need to get a little something in me. And, like, I was the, I was the plate guy right? This is game four now.
0: You're allowed to dictate so, the morning. You, so I was like, that's it. I'm,
1: I'm getting something. And we, we we pull up, and I'm not going to say who was late getting out of bed. It was me. We, uh, we pull up, and there's this long lineup, and we have five minutes to be to the ballpark. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to run in there. 15 minutes later, I come out with a half-eaten egg McMuffin as I'm running to the van, like, basically like, you know, drive it like you stole it. And they're like, what happened? What took you so long? And I'm like, I just met. The real life. Karen, she's in there screaming, asking for a manager because she wants her money back for Egg McMuffin because allegedly there was a hair in it. And she is, you know, I know we can't swear on this show. So she's using every word under the sun. Some I haven't heard before. Maybe it's a Saskatchewan thing. I don't know. In the Gap, they do weird things. But but you know what? (laughs) She's just yelling and giving it. And I'm sitting there like, do I get to make my first citizen's arrest? Like, And, you know, finally I get my Egg McMuffin. And, like, I felt a need to apologize on behalf of Karen, you know, and then ran out to the van. And I'm trying to tell these guys, like, I just saw Karen in there. Like, it's crazy. That's why I relate to, to my you know, my second dish, because I needed an egg McMuffin.
0: So Steve Boutang, we're still talking about this story 10 months later, so it's obvious it did happen. There was a real life Karen. So that's a big morning. Sean's mentioned he's on the plate. Brad's back at first and I'm holding down third base. It's Ontario versus Quebec. Now only when you're in the prairies will an Ontario play Quebec at 8 a.m. Usually that's a feature game but when you're at the Canada Cup, too, is there's two pools. They end up playing each other twice in the tournament anyway. So I can't remember if this was their first game or the second time they've seen each other. For anyone that's ever been to a national championship, they know the intensity that Ontario-Quebec games bring. You can't argue it. They're the biggest in the country. They have the most ball players to select from. They come to play baseball. And not that the other provinces don't, but they come to beat each other. So we get going in the game. This is the game where we really jive together as a crew, and you can tell. One situation in particular that I want to echo out is we had a rotation play. I believe there was runners on first and third. Ball hits somewhere in the gap. We have a sure rotation. We get in a rundown now where, as you three, I'm covering batter runner from first to second. He half commits, heads back to first. We get a rundown now between first and second. This rundown lasted so long. Sean, as the plate guy, after you rotated to third, what did you do?
1: Well, I mean, the next thing is I got to get to second base and cover the rundown. So I'm yelling and screaming in my plate gear in the middle of the infield, getting into position at second base, being like, Phil, I got this end, I got this end. You know, I, after, after the play was finished, I kind of looked around and I'm like, well, I'm behind the pitcher's mount.
0: Yeah, Sean started at the plate, hit third base, no play, says, let's go to second base. When we start looking at the procedure manual, I think when it comes to rundowns, it says figure it out, doesn't it? Push the red button.
1: Push the red button.
0: In that rundown, this is what was really interesting. We had an attempt at a tag. Judgment call. I had no tag on him. Coach comes out to argue with me. We have a conversation. I try to talk French to him. He doesn't bite at it. He gets all worked up with me and he just turns around, stomps off. Next inning, we have a situation. Brad... Since you're the crew chief, I'm gonna let you look after this one.
2: Yeah, this is. I think this is a make-or-break moment for us doing the tournament. Anyways, we we're we're faced with an illegal bat. The the preamble to this, um, or this hitter's first at bat, uh, the first base coach sort of after he was put out, he grounded out or something. I don't remember what happened in his first at bat, but he was put out. First base coach for Ontario says to me, "What do you guys do with the illegal bats? Did, do you, do you notice it or like that's not our job? If if you think the guy had an illegal bat." You got you to gotta pick that out and bring that to our attention. And I just left it alone. So anyway, player comes up the next time and whatever, this was the fourth inning or so. I believe he grounded out, right?
0: No, he hit a single. He hit a base hit, a base hit a I believe, over the second baseman's head.
2: Yeah, base hit, but nothing else happened. Anyways, as soon as another so player's standing on first base and uh, and immediately Ontario asks for time and uh, and comes out, and I think they approached Sean first and said, you know, he hit with an illegal bat. So we conference, we get together, it was uh, it was an interesting one because I uh, I wanted to just sort of be like, okay, fellas. Let's go. Let's figure out we got we got to find the bat. We got to make sure we know the rule, and we got to decide how we're gonna come out of this conference. One of the issues was the bat was already in the dugout, so we're we're trying to figure out the whole thing. And uh, I guess it had happened earlier in the tournament. The Direction had changed a little bit for how we were gonna approach this. It, it it came down to the fact that the the brass for the tournament wanted the umpires to make a decision. Quebec was good enough to bring the bat back out. The bad boy had scooped it up real quick, but it was a, it was an easy call. It was a bomb bat. It's clearly an illegal bat. The rule was straightforward. Yeah, you, know, you nullify any anything that came from the at bat, and the players ejected. So as a crew, I think we we talked about it. We slowed things down a bit. We decided how we we're going to come out of it. We had a, a bit of a conversation with the Quebec manager. He wasn't thrilled, as as you can imagine. Uh, he went to the tournament chair got the same answer the game moved on I think at the end of the day I obviously don't know this but I would make a I think a pretty obvious suspicion that Quebec manager was just doing his part he he knew he'd gotten caught and that was that and uh and he probably knew we were right but had to put up the customary fight so to speak so I uh, but I think it was it was a great moment for us to to work together and to uh, and to to come into a situation where now we had a rule issue where we had to come to a conclusion, because realistically, this is only game five, I guess, for us. Because game four, yeah, as a crew, or game, yeah, game, no, yeah, it was, Sean, yeah. it was your second dish, so yeah, it was game four, four or six. Um, so that that's still really early, right? And and really not a lot of experience together. So to, to have to deal with a convoluted situation like that was is difficult, and because uh, you've you've got you've got different approaches just within the conversation, and and I think because we had had a good time and and. Chill, Socially and on the ball field, we were able to jump those fences pretty
0: easily. So came out of it pretty happy. That's the most important part. We got the call right. We were faced with a decision and a situation that we handled. I want to thank Jim Baba as the tournament chair. He had our backs all the way. But I remember him not to spill the beans telling the Quebec manager, you can protest, but I'm not really going to accept your money because there's nothing to protest here you're going to lose. It's black and white. They've made the right decision. So I just remember... Them having our backs, and after that, there's nothing really to cover with the rest of the game. Now, our second game of the day gets rained out, but the fun doesn't stop there. Garth Brooks is in town. You know, baseball counted a national championship. Might as well bring in the big guns. Now, to true Garth Brooks style, the thunder rolled. Now, there were lots of people there that were much too young to feel that damn old, and they were hoping to dance because they were concerned that tomorrow would never come, and they weren't going down till the sun come up and they were hoping that their unanswered prayers would be answered while their papas were loving mama on the beaches of Cheyenne while they were learning to love again during that summer while they were standing outside the fire. Now, I remember going to the keg for supper. Brad, were you there? I was, yeah. Sean?
1: Yeah, I was, I was there. It was, uh, I was supposed to go to the concert that night, and I ended up selling my ticket and uh, to hang out with the crew. Oh, It was so oh, it felt sweet to see a prairie rain, you know, that you don't see in BC very often to see all of the soaking wet people in uh, cowboy boots pouring into the restaurants after they realized the concert wasn't going to go ahead.
0: Sean, that was probably the best decision you've ever made. Now, I know that we've probably never said this, but you turned down Gerth Brooks for your crew. That means a lot. But I think we made up for it listening to Garth Brooks on Sirius Radio.
1: Which, by the way, the Garth Brooks channel does not actually play, since we learned that our vans had had Sirius satellite radio.
0: That is one learning tip from the weekend that we did not realize before the championship started. Sirius Radio, Garth Brooks, does not play Garth Brooks very often. So we have a nice steak dinner. Bunch of us go, head back home. We enjoy the evening. We wake up the next morning. I'm on the plate. Sean's at first, Brad's at third. Basically, all I can remember from that game is I got rocked. I remember getting hit hard in the second inning. I dropped to a knee, so the rest of it is kind of a blur. Wait, wait. Now that I think of it, you made some beautiful routes to track those fly balls. Down the line, guy catches it. He runs out. Nice, big, solid out pumps. I loved it.
2: Well, thanks, man. And I think Uh, that's... you
0: keep trying to deliver. I loved it, and I remember looking at each other in those moments, too, just even in those situations and going you know, push the red button. That's why we're here. So game goes without a hitch. Now there was a delay to start the game and the field was a muck, but thank you to all the tournament volunteers for getting that field ready and getting it playable because I... Now, of course, the rest of the day gets delayed. Traditionally, at a national championship, you get your Sunday assignments after the round robin has completed. And of course, the push the red button crew was out last and our game wasn't going to start till after 10.30. So the supervisors call us back and basically say, hey, we're going to give out the assignments at nine o'clock. Now we get our assignment. And I remember just going out and doing that game with you guys. And the coolest thing was that Garth Brooks was on night two. And we're out there doing Saskatchewan versus Ontario. And if Saskatchewan wins, I believe they're in the quarterfinal. So it was a pretty big game for a Saturday night at 1030. And we go out and rock this game. We have Garth Brooks playing in the background because Mosaic Stadium is what, four minutes away? It was just a surreal feeling hearing all these fantastic songs as we're umpiring a baseball game. Well, and and remember it's
1: the schedule I'm playing. There is just a bigger crowd. There's actually a buzz in the, in the ballpark. The field was finally dry. It was surreal. It felt like, you know, in that game in Okotoks, for example, it was, it was, it was really cool.
2: You saw it too. If I remember,
0: like it was back and forth. It was close. Yeah, it was close, Brad. And it was, Really tight game, a lot of fun umpire. But one of the coolest parts about the whole night was before the game even started. It was cool, it was crisp. Sean, you get to wear the coveted Baseball Canada long sleeve jersey. That's right. That was cool. And it was just the right temperature too. With the dew setting in, man, I really wish Baseball Canada would bring that jersey back. So we get through the game. One of the things I take away from this game is the feedback that we get at the end. Well, before we talk about the feedback, Sean, fill us in on how the game ended. Oh,
1: so, uh, you know, the people in BC who are listening might have a more comprehensive uh, list of my ejection history, um, including a minor stint in the Wick Bowl with three ejections in two games or whatever it was. But uh, put my second ejection for the tournament as uh, whoever it was on the losing team decided to take the ball at the end of the game and throw it over the outfield fence and you know it was as quick as we're walking off the field and everyone's like did you just throw somebody out And i was like yeah i guess i did
0: what can i say push the red button What well, what i remember most about that after the ejection is getting the feedback from that game and having one of our supervisors mr butang sit us down and go how did that game end what happens is that we have runners on second and third the defensive team opts to walk the batter to set up the force with one out. Now, Baseball Canada traditional manual states that anytime there's a runner on first base, you one must be at first base. That's how we approached it. But Steve told us, hey, umpire the situation. In that situation, what is going to happen? Nobody cares about a double play. They are going for the play at the plate. They need to get that out. Umpire to the situation. Recommendation would be, consider putting U3 at third base in the event it's a long fly ball, they can stand there, they can watch the tag, they're not forcing the plate umpire to make that call 90 feet away. And potentially a game ending or extending call, depending on the situation that happens. Now, fortunately we had a simple base hit, no big deal. But I think as a crew, the biggest takeaway from that feedback was that they were trusting us to umpire the game and really giving us feedback to get to the next level. So that's one of the biggest teaching moments I take away from that whole weekend was just that level of learning what it is to umpire from the minor level to the senior level. Okay, game's over. We've gotten our feedback. Sean's done ejecting everybody. We head to McDonald's because it's the only thing open in Regina. Boys, what happens?
1: Oh boy, I don't even remember. You have to remind me.
0: Garth Brooks ends right, so the place is just packed. We spend probably 45 minutes in the drive-thru. And for the record, that's after we order our food. I remember pulling up to the window eventually, and there's this guy. You can tell he's sweating. And I, I look at him because I'm driving. I say, what are your thoughts on Karen? The guy instantly cracks up laughing. I have no idea why. He just thought he seen it.
2: <laughs> he just got it. I don't, this yeah. is the extra McNuggets, I think.
0: Yeah, this is 100%. So we're waiting for our order. And they say, what are you waiting for? We say, oh, we only got one burger or something we looked in we only had it we didn't really look at the rest of the bag he says okay one second here let me get the rest here your... they hand us the bag and they say here you go this is your order well we get back to the hotel room i think we have had a 60 nuggets and five burgers it was like what the heck happened so we ended up scoring big time with that and went to bed Mick happy in a McDonald's coma.
1: Well, and you can't, you can't forget that uh, Phil tipped the guy at the drive through window, five bucks and the kids on the skateboards who were hanging off the back of our van that we were watching through the, the backup <laughs> yeah. camera. And we were like, it was, it was a mess. There was people outside puking. Like that was probably, well, a long wait for McDonald's now that you reminded me, but one of the most entertaining 45 minutes in a drive through lineup I've ever experienced.
0: Now, in true Garth Brooks fashion, there were cowboy boots everywhere as if everybody just left the rodeo, and they yep. were shameless. Okay, moving on. We get to Sunday. We're not as a crew anymore, just the way it goes. But one of my favorite memories from Sunday is Banzini's. The best part about going to a national championship is getting to meet other umpires and hanging out. I really enjoyed the post-tournament meal because nothing's better than food and umpiring and getting the guys together together. And enjoying the company of the umpire family. What do you guys think of it?
1: Well, if I if I recall, the investment club uh, uh, we 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 had a little operation going there. So uh, Phil lets me know his overall winnings for the for the tournament, and I looked at him, and it was it was it was slightly embarrassing because it it pretty much equaled my direct losses, and it was quite significant. So so Phil tells me he goes, hey hey. I just I just paid for dinner. And I'm like, for yourself? No, no, for everyone. Quick, let's run. And literally, Phil goes to excuse himself to the washroom. And I see him book it out the side door to the van. And I'm like, oh, that's my ride. And so, of course, I I book it out the door, too. And then all of a sudden, you see like one of the umpires from our table like pop out the door and go, thanks, Phil. And then you see everyone start coming out the door because Phil had stinkily paid for our whole umpire dinner and it was uh again you know the text messages started coming in saying like oh thank you phil and of course he was sitting there like pretty blushy like not wanting the attention at all but uh but yeah it was it was another cool experience and uh thank you casino regina for uh for basically your sponsorship in the weekend
0: well that's not where i was going with it i was more like feeling about the experience of hanging out with the other umpires but I do appreciate you sharing that story and the name drop and the compliments and the thanks. Because like I said, my favorite part is always the sharing of war stories and being part of the umpire family. Okay, guys, it's time we move into an exciting part of the show. We call it 10 questions. I ask you a question. And I want you to give me the answer off the cuff of your sleeve. Just go with it quickly. Okay. If I like it, you hear a and if I don't like it, well, a nice car horn since we're talking about pushing the red button. So are you guys ready? I guess so. Yeah. Well, Brad, don't get too excited. Okay. Since we're talking McDonald's, what do you choose? The McChicken or the Chicken Nuggets? Chicken, chicken, nuggets. chicken nuggets. Oh, we're going Chicken Nuggets. Chicken Nuggets, what's your sauces? Sweet and
2: Barbecue.
0: Barbecue all the way. Oh, I'm a hot mustard. Hot <laughs> mustard.
2: Both get the car horn
0: yeah yeah okay you both live in canada different provinces when it snows do you shovel or do you snow blow? shovel
1: shovel Always.
0: big muscles that's how we get our big muscles up here and work off the twisted tees
2: does it snow in bc do you, do you just have to, <laughs> do you have to just squeegee the rain
0: into the gutter
1: well i mean sometimes we can't drive for a couple of weeks on end but you
0: know whatever you're on the ball diamond Doing the plate, do you choose one ball bag or two? Two. Two. Pretty self-explanatory. If you were a superhero, would you be Superman or Spider-Man? Brad? Superman. I could
2: fly. I can move stuff. I could, I got all the power in the world. Superman. And Lois
1: Lane. Sean? I was going to say Spider-Man because Mary Jane's hotter than Lois Lane.
2: Eh, depends which Lois Lane. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, you date me a little bit, so uh, you might have a catalog.
0: <laughs> I'm all about Spider-Man, though. My three-year-old loves him. He goes to school as him every day. So Spider-Man, Brad, you can be strong, but Mary Jane's your dead. <laughs> you pull into your favorite Mexican restaurant. Do you pick the taco or the burrito? Oh, taco. Taco. Uh, oh, I need a good burrito. Really? No, hardy, no. yes, good it's feeling. Two hander, a big two hander, yeah. Okay, we're gonna go back to the 90s. Are you more? Interested? I was born then,
2: Sean, Sean. Do you remember those?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I
1: was a twinkle in some of
0: those years.
2: <laughs> he doesn't remember a Blue yeah. Jays World Series. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah, yeah. That was, I was born that year, so I was like, oh, about four months, like you know, <laughs> good napping TV
2: 92. Tell me, 90. No,
1: no, no, no. <laughs>
2: Only Jace Phillies for Sean, I guess.
0: Anyway, that's okay. John Kruk, Lenny Dykstra, Ed Sprague, Johnny O. Since we're going to go on to it, that's a fantastic series.
2: Oh, yeah. that's. Derek fantastic. Bell had
0: a little hero moment there, too. In the trenches. Yeah. That, that team, I don't know if will ever be matched again, in my mind. But if we're going to talk 90s, are you a Backstreet Boy or are you NSYNC? Backstreet Boys.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to pull the I was born in 1993 and neither of those are applicable.
0: Well, Sean, I'm going to quote NSYNC and go bye, bye, bye. Uh, because it's Backstreet right. Boys all the way. Guess who's back? Backstreet's back. You guys are Windows or a Mac user? Mac. I'm a Mac. You can tell that Sean's a millennial, so he's going with Mac. Who's your favorite Beatle? John, Ringel, Paul, or George?
1: Ringo has the coolest name. Brad doesn't even get to
0: answer. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, Ringo- I had a good answer for that too, but never mind. Oh yeah, <laughs>
0: Ringo is on Shining Time Station, man.
2: Paul McCartney's birthday this weekend. We gotta go with Paul, Sir Paul. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: it is though. So. Google that, man.
0: Since we're shut down for COVID, what was the last movie you seen in theater? Oh jeez.
1: Oh, I saw The Joker. Phil, go. that's your real life, right? That's so crazy. you don't even need to see that movie.
0: <laughs> the Last movie Brad saw in the theater was The Wizard of Oz. He's that old. 1939. Jimmy <laughs> Garland.
1: It was a picture show. Okay, let's move on. It's going to get
0: me in trouble here. Yeah. yeah. It's the end of the world. Brad, you get two items. What are you bringing?
2: It's a tough one. Uh bring the dog, and, uh, and probably this Mac so I can be a little bit like Sean to be a millennial.
0: Play ball! Sean, what well,
1: do you got? So, after COVID-19, my first item will be toilet paper because I know what a commodity it is. You're right! And, it's
2: a Q-tip to test yourself.
1: Uh, and the second thing <laughs> is going to be a pair of yellow Mike's Hard Lemonade sunglasses.
0: Why would you bring Mike's Hard lemonade sunglasses.
1: Well, if only you knew the amount of famous people those sunglasses had been on, it it would blow your mind.
0: Famous people? Who do you mean?
1: Well, if we're talking about baseball personalities, I, you know, occasionally have a, a sad scroll through my camera roll over a, a twisted T, And I went all the way back to 2014, my second year in the national program, and I had these Mike's hard lemonade sunglasses. And it, it reminds me of a story.
0: Okay, Sean, you can't come on the Leading Edge Umpire Stories. Tell me you have a story and not share it. So please share your story.
1: I put these sunglasses on every object I could find and took a picture of them. And then every umpire that was there that year wore these sunglasses. But I was scared to ask the supervisors to wear them. You know, out of the blue, we're talking about it. It's the running joke. And Corey Davis grabs these sunglasses for me and says, now take my picture. And I'm like, all right, sure. Yep, yeah, you're the, you know, you're, only in charge of everything in this country. And, you know, this is my second year. Sure. So Did I take this picture Davison? and I have this. I have this picture now of, you know, Corey Davis wearing these Mike's Hard Lemonade sunglasses with, you know, this random guy who just sitting there and I'm like, huh? I saw that picture the other day. I was, you know, just reminds me of all the good times that, uh, that we have in BC, but we also have as umpires and, you know, thank you for, uh, for Corey, for modeling those sunglasses for, for everyone. That was great.
0: Seems like Corey always wants to stick his nose everywhere. This is the fourth episode and this is the fourth time that Corey has been named. I'm starting to see a uh, pattern like, here.
1: Sounds like you're making a streak out of it.
0: Guys, one thing I enjoy about umpiring, I've said it over and over again is the family involved. Now, you didn't get to a national championship because you did it on your own. Lots of guys helped you. And Brad, you mentioned mentorship earlier. Is there anyone out there that you want to say hi as a local legend that has helped you out along the way? And just a quick thank you, Brad?
2: Yeah, for sure. I think in, in Calgary, we got we got a lot of guys um, in Alberta. We all feel, all, you know, in the larger picture, we have a lot of guys. But uh, I'm going to give a quick uh, Ontario shout out to at the end of this. But uh, my, my local legend for, for Calgary, I think, I think has to be Steve DeLude, a, a longtime contributor to, to baseball, Alberta, a, a longtime contributor to the national program, uh, both as an umpire and a supervisor, you know, worked the semi-pro leagues when they were in town. You know, type of guy that uh, that will always take a second to talk to you. Uh, whether you were on the field with him or not. Um, this is a mainstay at the Ball Diamond. He's a mainstay at the clinics. Uh, happy to teach a level one clinic and happy to teach a level four five clinic. Just a, a guy who's been a real a real sort of cornerstone to, to things in southern Alberta and, and certainly specifically in the Calgary area. The, the other one I want to give a shout out to uh, goes way back to, to when I was in Ontario. A guy who's, who left Canada and came back, but a guy named Blair Haynes. He's, he's just kind of getting back into the program, but uh, phenomenal umpire, a ton of talent. I, I knew him as a as as a ten, eleven, twelve year old, and uh, I remember when I worked my first national, I, I sent him a message on Facebook just to say like, hey man, you know, I, thanks for everything you did because he was was somebody I really looked up to. I thought, hey, I wonder if I can do that. I wonder if I can be that good. Well, I was still trying to be that good, but we'll uh, we'll get there. So Blair was Blair was a big influence for me too.
0: Recap: Rad's local legends out of Alberta, Steve DeLute out of Ontario. Blair Haynes. Sean, who's your local legend?
1: Ron Shuchuk. And he he had been huge for me, um, you know, being able to channel coming back from pro school, uh, you know, what the pro school expectations were applied into, you know, sort of, I want to say real life baseball. But the person that I, I really want to thank is uh steve butang and you know i was very fortunate he was one of the supervisors in our tournament you know he has been the head of our national program and our provincial supervisor since i joined the program seven seasons ago so you know i really appreciate steve taking the time to work with me and work through his father ron butang who passed away quite a few years ago established a scholarship fund for pro school and you know i was a beneficiary for that scholarship that helped pay my way down to daytona beach and you know ultimately Help set up the foundation to have me move to the best uh, minor baseball championship in this country and to meet you guys. So, uh, you know, I really want to thank Steve, Ron Suchuk, Ron Butang for everything, and I really appreciate that. So, yeah.
0: Sean's local legends, Steve, Ron Butang, and Ron Suchuk. Okay, we're going to switch gears here. The Baseball Canada Championships were not Brad's first championship. He's one of the only guys I know that has worked a World Series. Now, we don't have much time here today, Brad, but it's something I would like to bring you back on the show to talk about. For everyone listening, Brad has been to Williamsport. He's worked a Little League World Series. The guy has shown up, Jerry Davis, on the field. He looked good in those pants. That's all I got to say. Brad, what was it like to work a Little League World Series? It's
2: such a big stage. Just a, a phenomenal experience. It's it's one of those things that you don't you don't realize the size and scope of it until you're there. And it's and it's a, such a unique venue to all of sports to have those two stadiums of that type of capacity side by side. And such an innocent yet competitive environment that really is about youth baseball. And and then when you you realize how how bright the lights are and uh, in those first few games. And and then when you get acclimatized to it as the tournament goes on and have an opportunity to work with. With people from throughout the world, there were two guys from Puerto Rico on on my year, and uh, and a guy from Australia. First person from Australia ever to work in Little League World Series. So, um, and to be there as the only Canadian is is a thrill too, because you know, just for the chance to represent your country. And uh, I may never have the chance again in, in any program. So, um, you really savor those moments. And uh, but just just a, an experience that's unique unto itself. And yeah, I'd I'd love to talk more about it if, if we ever want to do that as a future one. But uh, we'd love to. Cause you could there's. There's lots of stuff there. Just such a unique experience. So.
1: Well, I can assure you, Brad, that you definitely have a face for radio. So I think, you know, if you don't make it back, you, you might have found your calling here.
2: Yeah, right on. No kidding, man. That's why I'm better, I better buy the plate. Just put a mask on me.
1: Maybe you're the cause for COVID. Good day, you never know.
0: If anything, I wish Sean would have wore a mask for this podcast. Simply because every time you've heard, <laughs> it's been Sean, okay? <laughs>
1: No, no, I, I, one more twist. To t- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then then it'll be nap time.
0: Fair enough. <laughs> Before we go, guys, Sean, do you have anything you want to say?
1: Uh, you know what? I think that this is fantastic. This show being able to, you know, broadcast to umpires across the country, but potentially across the world. I know that I invited all of my pro school buddies from all over the United States. And you can tell that, you know, in the current environment, they're going through a real tough time down there. Hopefully a couple of them are able to take a listen and get brought back into baseball because honestly, they could use the distraction so uh you know phil thank you very much for putting this together and having me on i really appreciate it
0: well thank you sean and brad any parting words
2: uh, well the first thing i'm going to do and uh, we talked about that entire tournament and phil you need some props for easily the nicest looking hat so um thank you, know, you. you you had a phenomenal tournament so kudos buddy uh well done so if that gets edited out and nobody else knows uh well too bad uh, but my other my other part would be just yeah i'd echo sean's sentiments i think uh, this is this is awesome we're uh, we're getting a chance to to talk about uh, about baseball amongst ourselves uh, you know there's there's lots of silver linings and, and I think this is one of them and uh, if as time goes maybe the maybe this continues maybe the frequency drops a little bit. I, I still think it's a phenomenal venue just to, to have a chance to connect and thanks to thanks to you Phil and thanks to the guys in Saskatchewan and having the sort of the brainchild for it let's keep it up. Push the red oh, button push the red button.
0: Well, that concludes this episode of The Leading Edge, where we talk with umpires about umpiring and look to cover topics on both sides of the plate. Join us on our next episode, where we bring on Baseball Saskatchewan former provincial supervisor, current WBSC umpire, and Outlook's 2019 seventh runner-up to their version of the Thunder Down Under, Trevor Drury. But before you go, I would like to leave you with this. Remember, the tie always goes to the batter runner on a play at first base. Unless of course they've flown out to the left fielder. Take care, everybody, and stay safe. Push
1: the red button. Push the no red deer, button.
0: Push the red button. Let's do it again. I, I hit the wrong I had the wrong sound effect. I was gonna say what who was that? <laughs>